Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the Central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Good morning, Central New York. My name is David Edelstein, and I'm joined by Harrison Singer on this morning's edition of Fizz Radio. We have you from 9 in the morning until 10 a.m. on Saturday mornings every week. We cover Syracuse basketball and also Syracuse football news. So for all of your background info on that and to stay up to date, check out orangefizz.net online to read your latest content. This is Fizz Radio. We also have a FizzCast podcasts that we do, so you can check those out at orangefizz.net. They're also on Spotify and on iTunes. So, Harrison, today is a big day. Today it, is a big day. It feels feels good outside. The days are getting lighter, actually. I don't think it ever outside. feels good outside. It is getting lighter. You are right about that. It is getting lighter. Uh, that is a, that's very good news. I, I don't know if it's ever comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I I personally appreciate the sunsets that we get here in the in the Syracuse very area. True. Um, and and not very to be true. punny, but definitely to be punny. Uh, another sunset that's happening soon is the end of the regular season for mm. the Syracuse men's basketball Already? team. And How, I, that soon? It doesn't really feel like it. That does quick. It? It, no. it really feels like it's still the beginning of the season and we're just getting underway. But believe it or not, following the team, there are only three games left. And the first one is on that list of three. The trifecta is the Wake Forest game today at 12 noon. So coming up just a few hours away from now. And this Wake Forest team, not really the greatest season for the Demon Deacons. No, not at all. Uh, that's very safe to say, David. They're 11 and 16 on the year, four and 11 in conference play. Losers of eight, losers in eight of their last 11. They, they did win, uh, I believe they did win their last game. So, you know, congrats them uh, on that moral victory, I guess, and literal victory. But yeah, uh, the toughest thing here isn't the quality of the uh, opponent. It's definitely going on the road to beat a Wake Forest team who, like I said, has struggled this year, but has still gone 10-6 and six at home as opposed to that horrible 1-9 record on the road. So that's definitely some uh, food for thought. Now Wake Forest will be playing at home. Syracuse is on the road only with one more home game in the Carrier Dome. That would be on March 4th, Monday, against Virginia. So this game will be at Wake Forest, where they have that better record but overall, just 11 and 16 on the season. What exactly didn't go their way in 2018, 2019? Uh, well, it's been really just terrible defense. They are uh, among other, all the other ACC teams, either last or second to last in pretty much any important statistical category. Teams shoot the three incredibly well against the Demon Deacons. I know, you know, they're dead last in true shooting percentage against, which basically means that teams shoot the three really efficiently against them. You know, they're second to last in in total points per game allowed in the ACC. Totally. Um, and it's not even just on defense because, you know, the defense is where they've had more, more uh, I guess, the most amount of their struggles. But it's not like they, they move the ball too well either. Uh, they're last in the ACC in assists. They Yeah, they're led by uh, Brandon Childress, averages in ICU you know, 15 points and was it four assists per game but outside of him and the next guy behind a four point four 
Childress is 4.2. Is, is Jalen Horde, you know, uh, was it at 1.6 assists per game? That's not going to cut it. This team doesn't move the ball well, kind of like a team that we're pretty familiar with uh, that we get to see pretty often. But this team doesn't move the ball well. They don't rack up assists. And it leads to not, them not being able to score points, which they also rank towards the bottom in the ACC. In. Were you referencing Syracuse there? I uh, the may or may not have been. It's good to see you can catch on. It's good to catch on. I mean, you follow the team a little bit. But Syracuse has some issues of its own, as you, you bring up that point. Uh, they've, Syracuse has lost four of its last six games, going back to the one on February 5th against Florida State on a two-game losing streak right now against Duke and then North Carolina. Yeah. So Syracuse not really in the best position itself as it's going up against this Wake Forest team that just hasn't had its own best season. So what is it that Syracuse needs to do as a team, as a whole, to just get back on track for these remaining games? That's a good question. And it's, I think Syracuse finds itself in a different position it's been in, at least in its last two, honestly, you could argue three, definitely three games. Uh, They beat Louisville at home. 69 by 22, which was very impressive. Obviously, Louisville came into that one ranked. But then, you know, you're talking about two games in a row now versus Duke and North Carolina, and Syracuse played well in those games. So, you know, yeah, we can say they're they're coming in on a two-game losing streak, obviously three of their last four, but they, they gave good efforts against Duke and North Carolina, and they did just come up short. They lost both of those games um, to the to the number one team in the country and the number five team in the country by a total of 18 points. Uh, I know Zion Williamson was hurt. And we'll talk more about that later in the show. But uh, Duke's still a great team. And going into this weekend's game, Saturday you know, at Wake Forest, they're in a position now where they are the better team taking the court. And what that means is execution. If you got the talent, you got to execute. And it definitely starts with the big guys chipping in a little more than they have. So you mentioned Syracuse passing the ball, or maybe their lack of passing the ball as you see it. Yeah. What exactly do you need to see more of from the Syracuse offense in that regard? What, uh, are, you, what yeah. are you looking for? I that? think that we're all we all share a lot of Syracuse fans at least share a common belief that if the Orange just you know stepped onto the court one day, and they have done this before, and it's resulted in really great things. But if the Orange just walked onto the court spread the ball around, move the ball quickly, move off the ball, have a real flow to their offense instead of just resorting consistently time after time again after, you know, to this isolation offense that they run with really two, three guys. It, it, it starts there. Um, that's definitely been a struggle, but why is that? You know, th- that's a question I can return to you is what is causing that? Is it the, the kind of loss of play from the bigs that – you know, Syracuse's mm-hmm. lack so far this season? Is it kind of Bayheim saying, you know, this is how I've ran it for years. I'm not going to change now. I don't I don't really know. I'm not in the locker room, but it's got to get figured out because I feel like there's a lot of capped potential with all, you know, with the experience and talent that this team has. Harrison, because I would argue that Syracuse actually has been moving the ball better than it has over the past few years. Um, I'm seeing it as, John, you know, I look back to the John Gillen days. And John Gillen was great. He had the massive... You know, buzzer beater against Duke at home two years ago. He also, uh, you know, had the game against NC State where he had like a massive amount of points and free throws. It was yeah. insane. He was, you know, a good contributor. But there were so many times where I saw him or maybe even Frank Howard, whoever was playing the point, just dribble the ball 
for like 25 seconds of the shot clock and then give the team five seconds to try and pass it around and figure something out. Right. So I've really seen this team grow and develop since then and really mature into a team that's been passing to a team where Tyus Battle is back on the team. And everyone's like, yeah, this guy was going to go to the NBA. This yeah. guy, you know, a star on the team returning all five starters. But it's not just about Tyus Battle going to the net and shooting all of the baskets, all every trying to get every single point himself. He's been passing, and, and we've seen it um, that there were, you know, Syracuse had 22 assists yeah. in, in certain games. That They are getting this ball. They're finding the open guys. Buddy Bayheim from three, they're, they're passing out to him. Tyus Battle might charge the paint. Yeah, well, yeah, I've always thought Tyus Battle was has always been an un, like considered an underrated passer, to be honest. He's not asked to do those things uh, even as the ball handler for, for this Orange team, but I've always really thought that he has been considered an underrated passer. However, with that said, he is not put in these positions to make the flashy pass, set other guys up uh, on offense. You know, the, the way their offense works, it typically ends, like you said, him. It ends, it ends with, you know, him, Frank Howard, Hughes, O'Shea Brissett, taking low-quality shots at the end of the shot clock. And I think the what you were alluding to, how it's the team in that aspect, though, has matured over time and, and whatnot, I, I can see what you're saying in terms of two years ago, the 2016-17 team that missed the uh, NCAA tournament. Their rebound per game margin in um, ACC play was 3.6. That Or, sorry, negative 3.6. That's not good. This year... They're getting out rebounded in conference play, negative three point six seven. So that's a that's a tick up from last year. They're getting out rebounded on defense, but on offense as well. I mean, think about over the last however since conference play began. Actually, Dolajai, Chuku, and Barama Sidibe have all combined for less than nine points per game, less than twelve rebounds per game. So it's on both sides of the ball. But you know, we are talking about offense here. They actually have shot more threes um, this year. At 43% of their total shots, they've shot more threes this year uh, than they did last year when there seemed to be more ball ball movement. They were rebounding also on defense better, and the bigs were simply, what I'm trying to get at here, is they were more involved. Last year's total uh, for three-point shots compared to all the shots that the Orange took was 32.8% compared to the 43%. That's that's a, a very considerable jump. So I'm led to believe by that that Syracuse isn't really moving the ball as well as they could or at least should. So as they're heading toward the end of the season, they need to improve there. Absolutely. And one, one factor that you bring up and we've mentioned since the beginning of the season is this five spot, the big man. What exactly was happening? It was like a revolving door or a carousel yeah whatever metaphor you want to use they it it still doesn't seem like Syracuse has necessarily figured out who they can go to and rely on Absolutely. in big situations to make sure they secure big wins which they need to throughout this stretch this of ranked opponents and and big games resume building and then especially as they get toward the playoffs yeah they need that they need it they I feel like they know they need it and they've been trying to find it but they're not getting it from Chuku. Chuku literally had three good games this season. People were like, it was a stretch of three games. Uh, you know, they go in, they beat Duke. Everyone thinks that Chuku, oh, they finally got the center that they, you know, have been so longing for all this time. Everyone got so excited and rightfully so. But no, that's not how. That's not what the case has been. And you know, Chuku started just on Tuesday at North Carolina. He 
comes off for Dolajai. And look, it's not like Chuku in his opportunities, I mean, he went two for two from the field for, for four points. So it's efficient, but what's that telling you? It's telling you that he's not getting involved. Dolajai comes in, eight points, makes a solid impact, goes three for three. Does a very good job. But again, he's in on the offensive side, he's really not involved. So really, whoever is playing that, I guess, five spot, you can say, for the Orange, isn't getting involved really, I mean, definitely more so than anything on the offensive side. And, you know, uh, the solution there, I don't, I don't know. Do you wait it out and to, you know, or until you find that guy? Obviously, finding that guy in the first place to come, you know, to the hill isn't easy in the first place. So, you know, I don't think that the guy that we're all going to say, wow, look back and say, this guy was great, you know, for his time, you know, being a big man at Syracuse. I don't think that guy's on the roster right now. I don't think he has been really since, you can argue, the last five years or so. You mentioned rebounding as one of the struggles that Syracuse has had. But Wake Forest actually has Jalen Horde, who's fifth in the ACC in rebounding. Absolutely. He's got eight flat as an average per game. So maybe it doesn't sound like the biggest number, but that's, that's pretty big to average eight per game throughout the entire season at this point in the season toward the end. Yeah. So how does Syracuse defend against the defender? Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's tough. Uh, usually, and I, this is no particular, like this, this isn't me getting joy out of knocking Pascal Chuk or anything, but you know, from what I've seen and the times that he's beat on the boards, it's, he's just outmatched, you know? So it's not getting outmatched for the orange or if you're Pascal Chuk. And what I like about Dolajai in, in terms of rebounding against, you know, especially on defense and, and offense, I'm sorry, is he's fundamentally sound. He knows how to work, he uses his body and, and get himself in the right place. So that's something that, you know, against a bigger guy who's averaging eight points per game can definitely come in handy for Syracuse. And so the orange on the offensive end of the ball, how do they beat Wake Forest later today? Well, this is a team that loves the three-pointer. We definitely know that. And if they, uh, I feel like it's a recurring theme, but if they really move the ball, uh, I feel like because Wake Forest struggles so much with the three, they don't have to worry as much as usual or prioritize quite as much, especially versus, you know, that they did against Duke and UNC. You have to, don't have to prioritize as much getting the big men involved, but definitely trying to move the ball around well and create some open three-pointers. So what happens? Does Syracuse win? Wake yeah, Forest win? I do. I think Syracuse goes on the road. Wake Forest, obviously a better team at home. Syracuse struggles compared to being at the Dome. They struggle on the road. But I think Syracuse definitely wins. I, I say they take this from like you know, by anywhere from like six to eight points. Quote the guru, Harrison Singer. Syracuse basketball at Wake Forest, 12 noon, just a few hours after this. Stay tuned to Orange Fizz Radio. After the break, we're going to take a look at what Syracuse should be thinking about Heading toward the NCAA tournament. Stay tuned here at Orange Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Back here on the score 1260, it's Fizz Radio. I'm David Edelstein, joined by Harrison Singer. Syracuse basketball toward the end of the season, heading toward the NCAA tournament. Stay up to date with all of your content about Syracuse basketball. Make sure to keep reading at orangefizz.net and also follow on Twitter at orangefizz. Harrison, Syracuse basketball, three games left in the season. One of those is today. How comfortable should they be as they're looking 
toward the playoffs in March Madness. Not comfortable. Not like there's no such thing as being like comfortable. At least if you're in the shoes that they are, I, I just don't think that. Look, I think if the season ended today, they'd be in. It's just you know, it's hard to not be in when you have the resume that they do. Albeit border relatively borderline. In addition to beating the number one team in the country when they were almost, I said, I say almost, you know, all the significant, the most significant players were there, but almost fully healthy Duke. So, look, you look at what they've done, their body of work, and yeah, they probably get in. We were talking over break. Yeah, well, they right now probably would squeeze in what it's like a nine seed or so. It's familiar territory, you know. Prior years, they've been a 10, 11. Prior years have proven that. All it takes, though, is that they just need to get in, and they'll handle the rest. Right now, they are slotted in, and, you know, the bracketology, the matrices, whatever, slotted in right now as as a nine seed, maybe maybe an eight seed, even mm-hmm. though they have a pretty strong resume. This is where we've seen them in the past. They're slotting in right now the other nine seeds, St. John's, Oklahoma, and Texas. So they got two Big 12 teams in the Big East. Is it accurate to compare Syracuse to those three? Who? I don't know. Syracuse kind of beyond their Big East days. I think that, I don't know, because the teams that Syracuse has in the ACC, especially, you mean, they, they'll they know more than anyone over these last, you know, five games, the uh, fourth of the fifth being against Wake Forest, because after Wake Forest, they got Virginia. And Virginia, you know, Wake Forest comes between Virginia and UNC, and before UNC, there was Duke. So if you're in the ACC like Syracuse is, you're playing the real deal. And I think that uh, it's hard to compare teams that aren't in the ACC to Syracuse, my opinion. So a Syracuse as a nine seed, and you mentioned their resume, and part of that resume is defeating that nearly fully healthy Duke team. So skip back over the last Duke game, go back to January 14th, where they won 95-91 in overtime. How much of an impact does that win have on Syracuse's chances of being in the tournament and as far as seeding goes? Well, I'll, I'll put it this way. They make the tournament, people are going to be like, oh, how'd they get here? And the first thing they're going to see when they ask how'd they get here is that win. So, you know, I would say it's pretty significant. Uh, any win against Duke, whether you're a team like North Carolina, who Syracuse just saw, who the hottest team in the country, top five team, you play in the ACC, you play Duke every year in the biggest rivalry in the sport, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're a team like North Carolina or you're a team on the bubble or you're, you know, freaking Eastern Washington, who Syracuse started the season against. You know, it, it doesn't matter. A win against Duke is... A win against the top dog, really, and it doesn't get any better than that. So Syracuse makes the tournament after beating Duke this season. You know, I'd I'd say that's pretty significant. Now, you mentioned the fact that it was a nearly fully healthy team, which at at the same time is saying they're nearly fully healthy, like, you know, giving it that positive spin for Syracuse, beating a team ranked number one in the country that was nearly at full strength. Yeah. You're also at the same time saying that they weren't at full strength. Does that, you know, how much... Is that taken into consideration that Syracuse got the win, but at that moment in January, Duke was not at full strength? Right. Well, that's an interesting question, and I always have been of the mind that injuries are part of the game. They really just are, and you, you kind of just take them and you got to roll with them. Most of the time, I would say I am like that. Um, there, are The only few instances that I, I haven't been is when a guy so significant goes down like in football if the you know pro bowl starting quarterback goes down or in basketball when you have you know 12 
15-man roster, depending on the team, a guy like Zion goes down, which was the case for the last time Syracuse played Duke. But the first time they played when Syracuse won, it was Trey Jones. So, okay, so the way I look at it is Syracuse themselves is not itself is not completely healthy. They're missing guys, too, that I get might not be some of their absolute best players, but there's no there's no doubting that they would want those guys. They would definitely like to have those guys on the floor. So when you talk about outside of the Zions, R.J. Barrett's, even the Cam Reddishes of the world for Duke, having a guy like Trey Jones injured and, and still losing, remember, on their home floor at Cameroon Indoor, that's a legit win for Syracuse, one that should not be taken away or disregarded in the slightest come selection season. Now on the reverse side of that, Syracuse lost to Duke on February 23rd, a few days ago. Ten points. They lost by 75-65 in their home court. Correct. In the Carrier Dome. Mm -hmm. Again, Duke wasn't at full strength, but they still wound up winning. Mm -hmm. And then Syracuse, maybe not at full strength, but not able to pull it off. Can this loss, this ten-point loss to Duke at the second meeting between the Orange and the Blue Devils this season— actually go down as a positive? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah, you know what? They played pretty well uh, against Duke at home. Obviously, they didn't win the game, but I re- what, I'm, what I see from their two games against Duke versus when they went there and won against when they um, were at home and they lost, was Pascal Chuku. I mean, you're talking about in the loss, eight points, yeah, four of seven, but again, he's not really too involved. Eight points, six rebounds, a block. Like, that's fine. That's Those aren't bad stats, especially uh, for standards of a guy who's not typically too involved in the offense. But how do these stats sound? The first time they played Duke on the road in the win, 10 points, okay, 18 rebounds. That's not bad. Also added three blocks. So he... You talk about the bigs being involved, like we were talking about earlier. I think that's what you look at when you're talking about the, at least not the only difference by any stretch, but the big difference. That and the fact that Zion was out, obviously, even though they still lost. But those are the two big takeaways, I think, from that game. And, you know, both, or obviously one worked in Syracuse's favor, the, the Zion being injured, but the other one that didn't. It was something that was clicking for Syracuse in the first time the two teams met, and I think that was really a huge difference. So throwing it back for a second as well, like all the way back, we were saying how this season went by so fast, but it does feel like a long time ago that Syracuse lost its first two games of the season against Connecticut and then Oregon. First real games, at least, yeah. But what's the right way to say that? Oregon? Oregon? I actually think Oregon, Oregon, right? Oregon. Oregon? Oregon. I, I've heard recent debates. You have to. So. The, you have to. And this is my rule. You have to talk to a local. Like my whole life until I think maybe a year or two ago, I didn't even know it was Nevada. And that's important to know. Nevada, not Nevada. Because if you yeah. go to Nevada and say Nevada, you will not be in Nevada too long. Nevada. Yes. All right. So you could make fun of me for a second about the whole Oregon, Oregon thing. But <laughs> Syracuse earlier in the season lost its first two games uh, against Connecticut and then Oregon. Mm-hmm. Those were at Madison Square Garden, and they were pretty big losses then. There's been a lot that's happened in the season, positively, negatively as well, but it's kind of distanced itself by time. When thinking about Syracuse getting into the NCAA tournament, just how much weight do those two losses 
carry, but you know, when you're looking in the rearview mirror again. Tricky to say, honestly. I mean, I think progressively less and less because both of those teams pretty much trended downwards. Um, UConn expectations weren't quite as high going into the season as Oregon's were, but regardless, I mean, um, yeah, I think actually, though, as the two teams hype around them, lessens, decreases compared to how it was in the beginning of the year, that's a worse look on Syracuse for losing those games. Losing the number 13 at the time, Oregon, by 15 points, it's not good when you you know, you know consider that Oregon now is 15 and 12 and nowhere near the 13th ranked team in the country as far as uh, the standings or the rankings go. So those two losses, definitely the one to Oregon, it's not looking, it's not something that's going to work in Syracuse's favor. So now we're going to go through the the slideshow of the season, looking back at all of these big moments. Syracuse then went on to defeat Ohio State, right. which was, they were ranked number 19 at the time. Right. And in uh, this new ranking system, were ranked number one. So everyone was joking. Syracuse beat the number one team in the country. Little did fans know or critics know that the Orange would actually yeah. beat the number one Long team bold. in the country <laughs> a few weeks later. But that that game seems like it would hold a lot of weight also on the positive end of the spectrum. The the Duke game? The the, the game against Ohio State that Syracuse. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that the, one, yeah. SU beat, you know, the first ranked win of the year right. for them, number 19. Right. So that kind of goes into the, the positive category right. on the resume. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, Ohio State obviously was another one of these teams that kind of dipped from the rankings pretty quickly. Um especially after, right after they lost. They were 6-0 and when they lost to Syracuse at home. Now they're 18-10. and They're 7th in the Big Ten. Uh, they went on a real 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, right in front of me. Five-game losing streak in the middle of the season, so that couldn't have helped either. Um, but you know, I really think that, you know, that 16, number 16 Ohio State win, that's going to be another one of those games that, all right, all right, so... Syracuse play this team who we thought was a tough test at this point of early on in the year didn't turn out to be that way later on those are things that that's going to hurt Syracuse now the, something interesting though to keep in mind is that was however still another one of those late ex, like recent examples of Syracuse rising to the to the occasion Syracuse, Ohio State might not have been the team everyone thought they were but when you're going on the road to face the 16th ranked team in the country, stakes are higher than a normal game. And I think Syracuse, at least more often than not, and definitely recently, responds well uh, to when the adrenaline's rushing and, you know, they move better off the ball. And it seems as if they play with more motivation against either, you know, these tough opponents or in hostile environments when they travel on the road. And that was present in that number 16 game on the road. And we see that with Syracuse in the NCAA tournaments of late, where they Absolutely. keep going far. You know, the Final Four is a 10 seed a few years ago. They missed yeah. the tournament, but then they make the, the Sweet 16 last mm-hmm. year. So these high-intensity games seem to be where an unranked Syracuse team can all of a sudden Absolutely. put they, itself as one of the last 25 or yeah. even less. They uh, they play their brand of basketball both sides of the ball against anyone they play because that zone defense, it screws with teams. You know, young kids, 18, 19-year-olds, they see it. They don't know exactly what to do. They don't really practice against right? it. They're and not used to seeing it most of the time, so they're not yes. getting ready to purposefully spend so much time thinking about it. Correct. And it's also in 
practically impossible. Even if you try to prepare for it in practice, there's only so much you can do to anticipate the length that's on that Syracuse zone. When you have Frank Howard, your point guard is 6'5", like Tyus Battle, 6'6", like you have so much length. And that's really all, or at least most of what you need for a successful uh, zone that the Syracuse runs. But, you know, they do play their brand of basketball against really whoever they play. It's, you know, that kind of game on defense, will, it'll get ugly and that zone will work. But on offense, you know, Syracuse so, Syracuse so often can't really establish flow that they need to carve through teams. And, you know, it goes kind of up and down the court both ways. So many ugly games. Some result in wins, some don't. But no matter great team or terrible team, it always seems that, you know, each game has a similar flow to it. So Syracuse with the flow... Had an interesting occasion against Georgetown, another rivalry game. On December 8th, Syracuse won 72-71. But if we told you the halftime score, it wouldn't exactly have seemed like that was on its way. At halftime, Syracuse was behind 35-22 and had a 50-point second half to come back and win the thing. So as far as the game feel goes, Syracuse... Looks like it can be a team that comes out of nowhere and is exciting to watch. How much would a selection committee credit Syracuse for being able to have second halves like this where they can keep games exciting, be engaged, and then win when they're deciding or not whether they that, should be in the tournament? Yeah, that, that outbreak in the second half was was it Georgetown or was it the Georgia Tech? The 72 71. Ger- I remember. They did Georgetown. Beat, yeah, so they. I remember, you know, that game against Georgetown. Uh, I mean, you know, it's at the Carrier Dome against a team that isn't, or at least, uh, at least the Syracuse should be beating. So, it's you know, a game like that. The way I would put it is, this team's hot and cold. You really don't know at this point what you're getting from them. Uh, you have games, you know, like Georgetown where they fall in this hole. They play awful and they lose. Uh, they're they're losing. And then they'll play great in games like Duke and the second half like Georgetown and win. However, then you have games, you know, where it lasts too long and you get into holes that are too big to crawl out of, like losses at home to Old Dominion. The team, also a team that you should beat. Absolutely. And have beaten in the past. I mean, a long history past to go. Absolutely. But Old Dominion, what happened here? Right. I think really at the end of the day, it's all about timing. You know, how to, how, since this team's so hot and cold, if they're playing motivated, then they can play with anyone, beat anyone, as they've proven. But if they're not in it mentally and they're not giving it their all and they're not in sync, then things are going to get ugly. And we've also seen that. So you're saying that this Georgetown comeback is great. Syracuse scores 50 points and gets the win. Good job, Orange. But at the same time, you should never have been in that situation. That Georgetown game is a perfect, perfect, perfect representation of their season almost. It's the hot and cold. Terrible first half, but doesn't matter if you can back it up with a great second half and win the game. Just like this ugly season it's been, none of that matters if they make the tournament because we know the damage that Syracuse is able to do if all they do is get their chance. So Syracuse starts out a little bit shaky, has all these different games, wins and losses, but then starts out with its best conference record in quite a few years since 2013-2014. Yeah. So Syracuse, you think they're in the tournament this year? Or does it? How much do these last three games really matter? It, they matter. I mean, it'd be nice to see them, you know, take Wake Forest. The curious thing to me is how they fare against Virginia. Number two, Virginia is 
And we've seen some really good Virginia teams over the last few years. Like, this team is really good. They're going to be ready come March. And that's going to be a tough game. If Syracuse, I don't expect Syracuse to win, but if they can keep it close, that should be enough with definitely with two wins for sure would should put them in. But you know, we'll see. Selection committee can get weird at times. Well, the big name that we can expect to be in the NCAA tournament that's not a team name, Zion Williamson. Mm. Some interesting stuff to mention about him. Talk about that right after the break here on Orange Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. This is Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. David Edelstein alongside Harrison Singer. We've got you Saturday mornings from 9 until 10 a.m. And thank you for sharing some of your morning with us. As far as Syracuse basketball goes, we talked a lot about that, but there's one pressing issue as far as the field goals that could really dramatically change what happens in the NCAA tournament, and that's Zion Williams. Got injured after his shoe exploded, basically. This seems what it did. Ripped ripped in half, exploded, imploded, whatever you want to say happened to it. Um, Kind of, you, you know, you can never expect what happens as the season goes on. You see a Duke team that's so strong, and then all of a sudden, some crazy apparel malfunction. Well, that's also a big kid, big dude, killing that shoe. That is like 280 pounds of man, you know, running and cutting. That shoe is bound to get destroyed. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no matter what shoe he's wearing. Uh, my Yeah, my, my shoes are still good because <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely not a Division One basketball player. <laughs> but Zion Williamson is hurt. Should he come back at all? this season no answer to that is no and Th- does he need to come back does uh, Duke need him to come back or well, he, he back? certainly does not need to come back um the answer is no and it's this is a hundred percent an opinion based answer you know no matter who you talk to there's no right answer I, I feel as if maybe ah it's just it's, it's multifaceted because you're talking about a kid who could come back and say, hey, why, why doesn't Zion come back, help Duke win the national championship, roll through everyone, and be a winner? That's great. That sounds really fun. But this this guy's sitting on millions of dollars right now. Millions of dollars, let's not forget, that was put heavily in risk when he went down with what could have been an injury far worse than, than what he did end up coming down with. Like, if he tore his ACL... I understand he also has an insurance policy. If he drops outside of the top sixteen, he gets he gets uh, you know some settlement money. But it's not the it's not the same. It's not the same. And we saw it. The first instance that comes to my head most recently is Nerlens Noel from Kentucky. You remember he was like the number one recruit coming out of high school. The, you know the biggest thing since sliced bread. Surefire first pick, top two, God, maybe even top three pick. I don't know in the NBA. Tears his ACL at Kentucky, drops to number six. That's just one example. We have countless, like, countless references to guys, and it's not even just in basketball, let me throw that out there too, that are putting millions on the line because they're forced to go to school, forced to go by the NBA, or forced to wait at least wait a year before entering to, into their, their names into the NBA draft, and, and Zion just so happens to be the latest victim of that. So you're telling me and you're telling all the Syracuse Orange fans that Duke Loses in the NCAA tournament. Now he's out, doesn't play. Blue Devils gone. That's not, it. Yeah. Well, not to say he's their lifeline or anything, because they really have two lifelines: uh, him and R.J. Barrett. But I think if 
either one is out. And, well, obviously in this case it's Zion. So if Zion's out, I don't think they're going to win the national championship. I do not. I think that the very, like, they're still going to make the Sweet 16. They're still probably going to be a top, you know, one. Maybe they'll slip to a two seed, I guess. But it really all depends on, you know, the rest, the rest of the way here on out. But... I think that this team, there are there's simply just better teams out there um, when Duke doesn't have Zion. I think Tennessee is really dangerous. I think there are other teams that can definitely give Duke a run for their money, especially North Carolina, who's just in conference as well. So I guess we'll have to wait to see whether the Syracuse second dream comes true. Not only do the Orange want to win their own national championship again, but, you know, the second mantra there is... Duke should lose. Right? Yes, that, no, that has to be it. We're, our minds are thinking so similarly <laughs> right now. Like I couldn't agree more. So that has to be it. Accurate representation coming up after this. Some news outside of the box or in it, hmm. depending on how you think. Not Stay bad. tuned to Fizz Radio here on the Score Twelve Sixty. Here on Fizz Radio on the Score Twelve Sixty. Thinking outside of the box. What exactly does that mean? Well, could be in the box, and I mean the batter's box in that regard. I know that Orange Fizz, we don't cover baseball. We cover Syracuse basketball and Syracuse football. But some interesting Syracuse news in the final seconds here. Bryce Harper, who, the connection, played on the Syracuse Chiefs as AAA for the Washington Nationals Uh a few years ago. There we go. Signs a 13-year MLB record, $330 million <laughs> contract with him. the Philadelphia Phillies. Yeah, it's a lot of money. It's a lot, a lot of money. I hear that someone actually caught Bryce Harper's first AAA home run as a Syracuse Chief right. and then proceeded to eventually give it back to the general manager. Mm. That's what I'm told by very the nice. general manager. It's very nice. I would have kept it. I, I mean, kept it. I don't know if Probably worth a decent amount. I don't know if there's proof. In this mm. business, we need we need a, two sources on the scene to it's tell true. me it's true. that that is It's all right, David. I'll baseball. take your word for it, though. I trust you. <laughs> Appreciate it. So, some baseball news. Syracuse connection. It's kind of yeah. interesting, important. And yeah. uh, who knows? Syracuse Mets in yeah, I was, town. I was going to say, he's staying in the NL East, so all you Met fans will get to know him really, really well over the next th- Baker's dozen of years. My goodness. So much money. So Baker's long. Dozen. I didn't even think of that. That's pretty good. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. I know some people call getting zero points in a game a bagel or a donut. I've never heard the Baker's Dozen for a 13-year deal. Though. Baker's Dozen. That's a first. Mm, first for everything. Well, Harrison Singer, alongside here with me, David Edelstein on Fizz Radio. We want to thank you so much for spending some of your morning with us. Saturdays, 9 a.m. till 10 a.m. is Fizz Radio here on The Score 1260. We talk about Syracuse basketball and Syracuse football. If you want more content, check out orangefizz.net for all your Syracuse basketball and football recruiting news and game updates. Also on Twitter at orangefizz. Also check out on iTunes and on Spotify now. Use Fizz Radio episodes. This will be there soon, as well as your Fizzcasts. Once again, for Harrison Singer, I'm David Elvestein. Thank you for spending some time with us this morning. Stay safe, stay warm, stay friendly, and enjoy. And we'll speak to you next time.